The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business on News Talk. So we were talking earlier on about the controversy in RTE. During the week at 10 to 1 in the morning, the RTE chair, Shuni Rahlig, resigned off the back of an interview that the communications minister, Catherine Martin, had done on primetime, wherein she had ex- failed to express confidence in the chair. That has precipitated a situation where RTE now seems to be at daggers drawn with its own minister, the Irish Times saying RTE board furious over chair resignation. The Irish Daily Mail, explain your silence, Mr. Backhurst, and so on and so forth. I am joined by Larry Bass, who is a former brief board member at RTE and one of the uh, most significant providers of independent content to RTE television. And I'm joined by Seamus Dooley, who is the Secretary of the National Union of Journalists. And Seamus, maybe I might start with you to try to get some clarity around all of this, because there are a lot of questions that I don't quite get. I don't quite get how RTE failed to inform the Minister of packages to senior executives when they knew this would have been a significant issue of public contention. And I don't quite get how a Secretary General of a government department would fail to ask about those packages when given an indication that they might exist. Do you understand it? No, that makes two of us. Uh, And uh, I think, in fact, that's the question that many people are asking. Uh, I think that this has been badly handled by everyone. Uh, It makes great copy for my members and it makes fascination reading for people who are interested in politics but at the heart of this is a complete mess which impacts my members which impacts the people that Larry Larry and people like him work and we really do need to get a handle on this I don't understand how the Minister could arrange a meeting where uh, she calls in the Director General and the chair of a board and doesn't have a file and say, what do we know about this? And we now know that the Secretary General was briefed. I have had dealings with both the Minister and the the former, now former Secretary General. They're both, in my view, competent people. So I don't understand that. I also don't understand how in a meeting on this, uh, you know, having me call that the Director General, the chair, the, the Minister and presumably officials were there, and no one talked about it. There, it do, you know, Shuni Rahali's explanation seems to be that they presumed that they were talking about the full board uh, and she was ta- talking about the, the remuneration committee. It, it's, it's a complete mess. But even that point of confusion, Seamus, seems bizarre because what the minister is suggesting is that at these three hours of meetings last week, that what she asked was, did the board know? She was given to understand the answer was no, when in actual fact the answer was yes. I mean, there's confusion and then there's diametrically opposing realities. There is, and I'm not sure that we're going to get it. We're certainly not going to get the bottom of this this morning, Anthony. And I think that the issue, the issue for me is I think the, you know, that the minister was in the wrong room the night before last. The minister should have been sitting across the table talking to Shuni Rally, teasing out these issues instead of talking to Miriam O'Callaghan. State boards are not lucrative. Shuni Rally has put a huge amount of work into RTE. She is, in my experience, committed to public service. Uh, And I've no reason to doubt the integrity of either the minister or the chair, now former chair. And I have no great view as to whether the minister should go or not. But I think that the concept of public service is important. I think getting to the root of legitimate questions is important. This was just not the way to do it. Do you believe that the minister precipitated the chairperson's departure by putting her in a position where her uh, role was untenable? 
the chair had absolutely no option. I looked at it and I, in my view, once I heard that interview, I said, what would I do? And I said, I would resign before. Oh, so the praise that she attached to the refusal to state confidence didn't ameliorate the refusal of, of giving I, I confidence? I don't think it did. I, I was looking at that and I, all you can do in that situation is what would you do yourself? And I think as for one o'clock in the morning, the interview happened at quarter past ten. And in that case, why would you allow yourself to be the focal point to go in to get a dressing down and then end up either be dismissed or resigned? You wouldn't do that. Uh, I think no matter what way, uh, it ha- was handled. It is going to damage RTE. It damages, you know, the staff. Morale was already low. I was out there yesterday. Completely depressing. It's really worrying. I'd like just for the government to grab the funding issue by the scruff of the neck and just get on with it. You know, we can have as many inquests as we like, uh, but on a previous occasion, we had a, a forensic accountant advising us on the financial situation in RTE, and he turned around and said the problem with RTE is that the body is there and it's bleeding and everyone was talking about the size of the elastoplast. And I think there's an element of that again here. Well, the, the um, requirement to take significant action in terms of the funding does require, I would have thought, some level of political support. Larry Bass, the situation in which the government now finds itself, is it very difficult to start doing major blood transfusions, to pick up on Seamus's uh, metaphor, when the public is reading the kind of stuff that we've seen all week? It's so depressing. Anton, I'm 15 years asking for this issue to be addressed. The funding issue? The funding issue. 15 years. So it's successive governments. This government has just been diabolical in their handling of all of this. We have a minister in a role now for four years who's managed to stumble from one disaster to another. Um, They have paid special advisors. I'd certainly be um, counting my chickens uh, very carefully, if I was a special advisor who advised the minister to go on and do a public execution of somebody who could actually fix things. That's your perception as well, the same as shame as you believe she had no, no choice. has had a, a stunning career. Um, it was probably somebody who has embedded in public service broadcasting, has the commercial skills, the financial skills to actually do the job. The last job she went into was a basket case in Ardmore Studios. It was nearly bankrupt. And she turned the business around and sold it for €100 million. Euro. Um, she was a very good CFO in Tichy Carr. Um, and she's had numerous other successes. And, and she didn't need to do this. That's the other thing. Um, now, what if the minister... Because undoubtedly job. in that instance, the minister will say, well, look, the first major sin was she dismissed D Forbes and didn't tell me she dismissed D Forbes. I'm not saying Shun did everything 100%. She correct. dismissed or she effectively doing- dismissed the CFO and didn't inform me. She presided over a, a gift of €200,000 to Rory Govney on the door out or a deal with Rory Govney to achieve that and didn't tell me I read in the papers. Are they not huge sins from a ministerial perspective? Well, I, I just read Shun's resignation statement. She said she did tell the department. She did have a conversation uh, with the Secretary General. I can't answer for what happens internally in the department, uh, but something's gone, gone astray and, and uh, something's gone wrong. You know, the sheer volume of calamity that Shuin came into to try and fix. Uh, and now you have a situation where um, the DG comes in, very strong editorial um, position. But had that, you know, loyal lieutenant as a chair with commercial acumen, what's going to happen now? Are we going to get a chair? Or when are we going to get a chair? It'll be another question. We'll have to wait. But are we going to get a chair now from academia or corporate governance? 
we actually need somebody who knows how to run a commercial organisation and get it back in shape. Well, let me ask you on that, Larry. If you put on your, your very commercial head, if somebody has the option of being a significantly well-remunerated non-executive director on a PLC <laughs> or a significant board or doing it for a fraction of the fee in the teeth of a national crisis with potentially a reputation on the line in RT, do you think there'll be many applicants? I mean, they're going to have to go down and bend a knee to try and convince somebody of any stature uh, and ability to actually go into the cesspool that it is now. It's it's like it's toxic and uh, it's been created. And I mean, going on national television to have that conversation, I mean, it's beyond belief that that was advised um, and and done. In, that, in such a way. I mean, and you don't accept the minister's logic was that she had agreed to do the programme and that if she withdrew from the programme that in and of itself would set hairs running so she was damned if she didn't. You know how many times she... ministers or um, politicians change their mind about interviews? You probably know that more than most. So like don't even get me started. Um, they can do whatever they want. That's what I'm saying. Somebody advise the minister to do this. I'd be, I'd be actually po- pointing the finger at that person. Talk to me then about the implications. First of all, for your members, uh, Seamus, because <clears throat> a lot of uh, frontline staff, be they journalists or non-journalists in RTE, are having a very torrid time of this. I wouldn't particularly want to be sitting in a reception area for RTE over the last couple of months because I can imagine it can't have been fun. For the journalists that you represent, what are the implications? Well, I think for all of the workers, and I'm involved with the trade union groups, so I will be very familiar with lower paid workers, with part-time workers, with people on casual contracts. Their morale is at an all-time low. And we, for a number of years, have been talking about the excessive levels of pay at particular levels within the organisation, about a lack of accountability, a lack of transparency. And now the debate is about who said what. It's, you know, we've gone from the toy show to, uh, oh, yes, I did, oh, no, I didn't, pantotype done. It's too serious for that. And I think that in many respects, while these issues are important, they're a distraction. The one thing I would say about... Junior Rahlan, it applies to the next chair coming in as well. They can't chair on the basis of what's popular or what's handy for the media. Junior Rahlan was 100% right in not advising the minister that she didn't um, that she didn't seek her resignation. And I sat in a studio... This with, is for D Forbes? Uh, this is the D Forbes situation. And I sat in a, a, a studio with Ivan, Ivan Yates, who was in this building saying, who was saying, you know, the smart thing to do is you tell the chief and then you tell the secretary general or you tell the minister and you cover your arse. But actually, that's not the job of the chair. The job of the chair is to be completely process-driven. And given that the minister appoints the director general effectively, to to once the once Shuan Nirahali had told the minister that she had sought her resignation, she was compromising any rights that Dee Forbes would have. And the one thing I know in my short time of dealing with Junior Rahala, and it has probably been her downfall at committee, is she's a stickler for process. And is that and that's is, the forensic is that that's the view, financial background. Is that a view so pure that it ignores the real politic? That while it would be wonderful to to be a, a loyal servant to corporate governance to that degree, the reality is if a minister is blindsided you get in trouble. I think that there are certainly difficulties in communication, but on that issue specifically, I think that 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 has and it keeps coming up in commentary. Uh, the real, you know, we've had enough of, you know, doing the right thing politically, i.e., keeping ministers informed and keeping people on side. The right thing politically now is to take steps to ensure that RT actually survives this. The public must be bored to death by this. Uh, you know, I mean, they they, they and and confused, but. 
their patience will run out as well. And, you know, there's the current board are meeting the minister next week. Is that going to give to another cycle and another round of this stuff? Mean, meanwhile, as you know, morale is on the ground. There are people, you know, independent producers don't know whether there's going to be money to commission their work. There are people who can you exemplify that? What, what do you mean morale is on the ground? What does that mean in real terms? What is what the that people mean? Well, we'll, well, we'll look at a few things. First of all, there is a recruit. There is a recruitment ban. Secondly, contracts are not being renewed. People in short-term contracts. The consequence of the redundancy proposal is non-replacement of jobs. People are retiring. They're not being replaced. There is a degree of uncertainty. We're now faced a situation we don't know if the board were to come down next, were to resign next week, and there would be legitimate reasons as to why they might feel they have to. Who would run the ship? Would it be, would the government appoint a senior civil servant or someone to go in? Uh, There's all of that uncertainty. You can't, when you go into work in the morning, you shouldn't have to worry about your future. Most people do, but in when you're working for RTE, the one thing you used to have was certainty. Now the only certainty is that there's going to be more chaos. You just don't know which direction it's coming from. And the, the board has to take decisions on future funding decisions. Um, it's, they've reduced the, the, the amount that the board had to approve down to a lower amount. So that they actually can't run the organisation without a chair because you can't have proper board meetings. I'm sure the board will elect a temporary chair and carry on. Um, but the business of running the org- the organisation, that's a 24-7... And the, the role of chair is, is a statutory role that only can be appointed by the minister. So you can chair the meetings, but that chair does not give you the entire function. Yeah, and it's also say. worth pointing out there are now, with you and gone, there are now four vacancies on the board, uh, including, worryingly from our perspective, no no staff representative. Uh, because Robert Short is no longer on the board, so that so that presents its own problems in relation to a quorum and yeah. subcommittees, all of that. Th- that's Seamus Dooley, the secretary of the NUJ. Larry Bass, the uh, CEO of Shinna Will. Um, Larry, you provide um, programs into RT, most notably um, Strictly Come Dancing. That that uh, sorry, uh, Dancing, Dancing with the sorry. Stars. My apologies. Um, the one of the things that we have heard a lot about has been that the independent sector is now having major knock-on effects because it is difficult to get things commissioned. They don't know what's happening. Is that the case? Yeah, unfortunately. And it's not, it's not actually... I mean, the problem is that the commissioning structure is upended. You have a temporary structure in there at the moment, temporary um, programme strategy group. Um, so long-term decisions. And, and the business of broadcast television, where you need to plan your schedules, usually years in advance, usually around big pillars within your schedule, things like major events. We're likely to have an election this year, um, sports events, and then planning around that. You can't plan beyond next week in this organisation at the moment because people keep getting the rug pulled from under them. Let me then and ask the, both There's of a you. huge sector of people working in the independent sector, like the uh, uh, people working in RTE, who frankly feel that at the moment the world is against them. They've done nothing wrong. They try and, like tomorrow night, we'll have a show with the orchestra, the RTE Concert Orchestra on Dance with the Stars. And we should be concentrating on, you know, providing the best quality entertainment to bring families together on a Sunday night at 6.30 on RTE 1. And what was the talk going on over the whole um, organisation and the whole uh, studio? What are people talking about? 
It's just distracting. Well, then the unanswerable easy. question then to both of you is how do we get out of all of this? Because we have the kind of temporary structures that you're describing around independent commissioning. We have a board that isn't fully staffed. We have two Grant Thornton reports still to come back to the board, which has special subcommittees to review them. We have a minister whose future now seems to be in question and we have an RTE at war with its parent department. How do we get out of all this? Yeah, you know, strong hands and people who know what they're doing to allow them to get on and do it. Stop bringing it out into kangaroo courts. Stop getting, you know, uh, making fodder for filling newspapers and let people just get on with fixing um, and planning for the future. I mean, public service broadcasting may have to change radically to be able to compete. But they need to get on and do it. Government needs to decide that they're making a decision on funding. There are a lot of nonsense to be talking about waiting for government reports and all that. Just make the decision on funding. Appoint a chair, appoint a competent chair, fill the board and and end all of this. There are so many acting positions I suggested yesterday that RT could set up with its own branch of equity. It's daft. It is just nowhere to run a circus. We need a chair with business acumen. People who know how to run a business in a modern world. Gents, thank you very much. That is Larry Bass, the CEO of Shinna Will, a significant producer of programming for RTE, including, of course, Dancing with the Stars. Um, and likewise, thank you to the NUJ Secretary, Seamus Dooley. I should say, of course, that we did offer an invitation uh, to Catherine Martin to join us, but that was declined. We are here tomorrow, 10 to 12, if she changes her mind. The Anton Savage Show with Nifty Business. Saturday morning at 9 on News Talk.